Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I just, I don't I'm sitting here this morning just praying. I just feel like this is just about over for some reason. I don't know. I'm sensing this is just is coming to an end. Uh, we're going to get back together in church. We're going to join and praise God and worship God. And we're going to go on with God. We're going to do good. God's going to move in the earth. Uh, there's good things coming. I'm excited for what's happening. Uh, you know, I just kind of feel like God is shaking us a little bit. You know, when when things are easy and things are comfortable and and nothing is upsetting, we have a tendency to kind of uh, just kind of to, to, to take a deep breath and kind of sit back on our laurels a little bit, you might say. But God is, you know, kind of stirring us all up, and uh, it's good for us. Praise the Lord. It's good for me. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just open our hearts to you this morning. We come with a desire, Lord, to seek you with all of our hearts. We give ourselves to you this morning. We receive your word with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, I felt like uh, this morning, I want to just kind of review, uh, like Derek Prince says, recapitulate. I love that word. I'm going to recapitulate uh, what we talked about on Wednesday, just a little bit, and then press on from there. Uh, we were talking about holiness. Uh, a couple of subjects to me that, that aren't addressed uh, nearly as often as they should be in the church, and that is holiness and also the fear of the Lord. Now, those two subjects are very important for us as Christians. Uh, and when I say holiness, I'm not talking about a, a legalistic set of rules. I'm talking about walking after God. You know, you and I, we're a different breed. The Bible says we are a new creation. We are not like the world. We have the spirit of God. They have the, you know, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. We're new creatures. We have the spirit of God on the inside of us. And we look like everybody else on the planet, but we're not like everybody else on the planet. Jesus said, we are not of the world, even as he is not of the world. In the same way that Jesus was not of the world, neither are we. And God wants us to walk that out in our lives. You know, that we are to love God. We are to love people. But we're to also walk in, in it. We, we walk to the beat of a different drummer, you might say. You know, we, we walk by the Spirit of God. We walk according to the ordinances of God. You know, we, we are godly people. And uh, we're going to continue to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How do I get off on that? I don't know. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to start. In, uh, so we're going to talk about holiness today again. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't hear you. You can, see, you can holler as loud as you like. I'm not going to hear you anyway. Uh, Isaiah, praise the Lord. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know, there are many aspects of God's character that are, that are outstanding. Everything about him is outstanding. He is love. He is mercy. He is long-suffering. He is faithful. He is powerful. He's all, he's all those things. But, but the one characteristic of God that, ev- that evokes a response out of these heavenly beings is his absolute and infinite holiness, his purity and his righteousness. It's like they just can't help themselves. They have to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You know, my wife and I, uh, we lived in Colorado for a year, a long time ago. And we lived at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. And every day, you know, it's like you'd look at these mountains and you couldn't just look at them and not say anything. You had to say, oh, look, they're beautiful. Look at them. They're so majestic. There was just, you know, you know, it evokes a response, something that's wonderful or even something that's terrible. It evokes a response from you. And what evokes a response from these heavenly beings is God's holiness. He is a holy God, a holy, holy, holy God. And, it, and they, can't help but, uh, they can't help but cry out. When, they, when they're in that presence, hallelujah. And when we're saved, we become, we become children of God, and God calls us to be like him. First uh, Peter, in First Peter chapter 1, it says this, in, starting in verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. So don't do it anymore, just don't. But, you sh- but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You know, holiness is not an option. God doesn't ask us if we want to be holy. God doesn't ask us if we feel like, no, he says, you shall be. You shall be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. I like what my wife used to say, something like, said, you don't ask a one-year-old if he, if he wants to take a nap. You tell him to take a nap. You know, and God doesn't say, you know, if you feel like being holy. No, he says you shall be holy. Why? Because you're going to be, I'm making you like me. I'm making you imitators of God. In Ephesians, the apostle Paul said, be imitators of God. And that's who God wants us to be. In the old, and, it's, and it's not just a New Testament uh, command. It's in the Old Testament as well. In Exodus chapter 19, it's, God says this, now, now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession or a special treasure unto me among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. God speaking through Moses. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. But he said, you shall be. God wanted them to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's why he gave them the law. To make the law was not just a, supposed to be an imposition on them. It was, to, it was to cause them to know the difference between what God wanted and when the world, the clean and the unclean, and to become godly people. True holiness is is not a set of rules. It's not a set of legalistic rules. You, you know, just because you you don't smoke or you don't drink or you don't go to the movies or you don't dance or you don't do, you know, you dress a certain way, 
That doesn't make you holy because inside you could still be full of wickedness. You know, holiness is something that comes from the inside out. It's the spirit of God living in us and living through us and, and causing us to be like him, bringing us into conformity to the image of Christ. It's like what the apostle Paul wrote in, in Romans chapter 8 when he said that we have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. That's, that's who we are. We're, we're being conformed. He's doing a work in us. God began a good work in us, and he's continuing a work in us until we look more and more and more like him. And it's, it's God wanting to do that through us, but it's us cooperating with the spirit. It's us surrendering to his will to give him our whole lives, to be the people that God's called us to be, allowing his spirit, like it says in John chapter 16, to lead us and to guide us into all the truth. In 1 John chapter 3, it says this, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. That's who we are. We're children of God. You know, we're supposed to be, I don't mean to be disrespectful when I say this, but, you know, they say he's a chip off the old block. That's what, that's what we're, we're supposed to be like him. For this reason, the world does not know us. Somebody say amen to that. You know, we are not like the world doesn't know because did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone, listen, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So we have this hope of being like him, of seeing him and being, being one with him. And those who have that hope purify themselves as he is pure to the same degree. Now, this is not a popular subject, I understand, but it's an absolute requirement. Like I said, holiness is not an option. If I call myself a Christian, then I should desire to be holy. I should be seeking holiness. I should be pursuing holiness. And then one of the things that we talked about last Wednesday, we did a little bit of a word study, and we saw that the words holy and holiness, and, and the word saint, the word saint in the Bible referring to born-again Christians literally is holy ones. And the word sanctify and sanctification, they all come from the same root. They all come from the same root word, which means basically to be separate or to be set apart. It's, it's like what the Apostle Paul wrote in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, so what agreement has the temple of God with idols? That says, we're the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. And because of that, because he's in us, see this, therefore. You know, I love, again, I like what Derek Prince says. When you see a therefore in the Bible, find out what it's there for. And so therefore, because God is in us, therefore come out from among them, the ungodly, and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you if you do that. I'll welcome you. I'll be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holiness is, 
is, is purity. It's not just being separated, but it's purity, and especially uh, moral purity. And we have to address that in today's. You know, one of the real problems that they had in the Bible was sexual immorality. It's, it's been around for thousands of years. It's one of the most poor, powerful motivators uh, on the earth. And it was a problem in, in 2,000 years ago, and it's still a problem, a major problem today. Uh, but moral purity is what God has destined us for. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. In First, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, listen. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Again, when you see the word sanctification, it's talking about holiness. So this is the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each, excuse me, that each one of you knows how to possess his own vessel in sanctification, in holiness, and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. For the Lord is the avenger of these things, just as we told you before and solemnly warned you. I'm telling you, you know, if, if we get into this, this lifestyle, and it's so easy today, even as Christians, to kind of to, to, to be, be kind of like the world and to give in to some of these things. But God has not called us to be a bunch of prudes, but to be a holy people separated unto God. And so he says, I'm, I'm warning you, just like, just before, I solemnly warned you that God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but for sanctification, holiness. God has not called us for impurity, but for holiness, for sanctification. Like the Holy One who called you, the Bible says. Be holy in all your conversation, all your manner of life. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul said, praise that God would sanctify them wholly, spirit, soul, and body, that their whole being would be sanctified, would be made holy. And so God, God wants us to be holy, holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y, comma, H-O-L-Y. God wants us to be holy, holy, our entire being. You know, that's what, that's what the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, blessed are the pure in heart, he said. They shall see God. The pure in heart shall see God. You know, that's, that's what I want. I want to see God in my life. I want to see him move in my life. I want to see him move in this church. I want to see him move on the earth. But it comes, God moves through people who have given themselves over to him in holiness. Pursue holiness, it says in Hebrews chapter 14. Follow after the King James says. But the word is pursue. Pursue peace with all men and the holiness, the Bible says. We're supposed to be pursuing holiness without which no man will see the Lord. That scripture we read in 2 Corinthians about coming out from among them and being separate. And, and, you, and I'll be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, the next verse. See, you have to understand, the Bible is chapter and verse, but this is a letter that Paul wrote. You know, and, it, and it's supposed to just flow. And so it goes right into the next thing. He said, therefore, because God is going to be in you and he's going to be a father. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. 
perfecting it, letting it, letting it operate, letting it become real in our lives. Do you want to be like him? I know I do. Do you want more of him? I know I do. And this is how we get it, walking in holiness. Now, another word that I associate with holiness is righteousness. And uh, in First Peter... And I mean righteousness in the sense of right living, a righteous lifestyle, living right before God. In First Peter, it says, uh, "It says, for one who desires life." For, I'm sorry, First Peter three ten. For the one who desires life, to love and see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil. If you have a King James, it says it uses the word "it's Jew." E-S-C-H-E-W. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. But he must, it means to turn away. You must, if, if you want to, if you love life and you want to see good days, you have to turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, those who are living right. And his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. When, you, when you're living for God with the best you know how, when you're giving yourself to God and allowing him to work in you and living a holy life before him, God hears and answers your prayers. Holiness is attractive to God. It makes us beautiful spiritually. It's not meant to stifle us. It's, it's not meant to make our lives difficult or unpleasant. It's meant to make us desirable to God, and it does. To put us in a place where God can pour out his spirit on us and through us. And that's what I want. You know? So I ask the question, what makes God holy? Why is God holy? He's holy because he's sinless. He's, abs- he's absolutely pure. He's sinless. He never, he, you know, he's totally sinless. And I want to read you a scripture, a phenomenon, a tremendous chapter, it's kind of a long, it's a whole chapter, I'm going to read you a whole chapter in Romans, turn with me to Romans, I'm going to give you a chance to go there, I tell you, this is powerful, Romans chapter 6, one of my most favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, thank you Lord, thank you Jesus, God we just come to you with openness of heart today, help us Lord, stir us, stir us up a desire to be like you in every aspect of our being. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in Romans chapter 6, it follows Romans chapter 5. Isn't that a surprise? But in Romans chapter 5, in verse 20, it says, The law came so that transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, Even so, grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And then he says this, what shall we say then in in chapter 6? What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? See, Paul, Paul knows how screwy the devil can make some people's minds. And they said, if, if, if where sin abounds, grace abounds, if the way to get grace is to, because I sinned, then should I keep sinning so I can just keep getting more grace? And Paul said, you're nuts. You're off your rocker. I mean, you know, he's basically, I mean, he's putting it biblically. He's, he's very nice. But he says, heaven forbid, may it never be. 
No way. That's not the way. How shall we, he says, who have died to sin, still live in it? He's, our, the thing is, when we become Christians, we, we're dead to sin. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Now, this is, this is a spiritual baptism. It's a baptism that where we, where we are immersed into the body of Christ. We become one with him in the realm of the spirit. That baptized into Christ. And then he says this. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. Now he's talking about water baptism, which is a type of death and burial and resurrection as we come up out of the water. Going down into the water is death and burial. Coming up out of the water is resurrection, newness of life. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. God wants us to walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, which we have, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self, our old man, was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible says that we have been, when we become one with Christ, we are no longer supposed to be slaves to sins. We're dead to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, which we have, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Listen to this next verse. Even so, the Bible says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's an attitude. It says, you know what? I'm, I've been joined together with Christ. I've, I've become one with him in his, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. I have newness of life. You know, I, I am dead to sin. And what does that mean? You know, the, the example that everybody always gives that I've heard before is that you take somebody who's been an alcoholic, a hopeless alcoholic his whole life, and he dies, and he's laying there in his casket, and someone comes along with a little eyedropper full of some of his favorite whiskey, and he puts a drop of it on his lips. You know what? That evokes no response from why. He's dead to it. He does, it's, it doesn't affect him anymore. And the Bible says it's, we're supposed to consider ourselves to be dead to sin. When sin comes our way, it's like, no, I'm not, you, you have no part of me anymore. I'm not listening to you. I don't have to listen to you anymore. I'm dead to you. Therefore, because of that, therefore, listen, let, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Don't do it. And, you know, and I always look at it. If, if God says don't do it, then it must be, able, it must be possible to not do it. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Again, here's another one of these questions that Paul figures might come, and so he's going to answer it again. Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? In other words, if the, if we're not, if the law is not our means of righteousness, uh, and we're, we're not under it in that sense, so can I just keep on sinning because I'm not under the law? And again, Paul said, you're nuts. Uh, you know, don't think that way. You're crazy. May it never be. Or do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience... 
You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you are now committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms, Paul says, because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But, have, but now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in holiness, sanctification, holiness, and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you, but that, that's, that passage, that whole chapter just blows me out of the water. Listen, in verse 2 it says we've died to sin. In verse 4, he instructs us to walk in newness of life. In verse 6, he says, our body of sin should be done away with. That we're no longer slaves to sin. In, in verse 7, he says, we're freed from sin. In verse 11, he says, consider yourselves dead to sin. In verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Verse 14, sin shall not have dominion over you. Verse 17, you were slaves of sin. In verse 18 and 22, you've been freed from sin. I mean, we, the whole point of that chapter is Jesus has broken the power of sin in our lives. You know, in, in verse 6 in that chapter, it says he died to sin. Now, you have to understand, Jesus died for sins, for our sins to be forgiven. But he also died to sin, to the power of sin, that the very nature of sin, the power of sin itself has been broken in our lives. Now listen, you're not perfect and neither am I. But the point is, we don't have to sin anymore. The Bible says we were slaves of sin, but we are no longer slaves to sin. We have a new life in us, a new spirit within us. We don't... We're, when we were slaves, we were controlled by it, but it doesn't have the power of us anymore. You know, what does it say in 1 Peter 2.24? It says this, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might what? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his stripes we're healed. We quote that by his stripes we're healed, but the first part of that scripture says, he, he bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, have this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have that same attitude. I'm dead to sin. Sin, you are not my master. You're not in control of me anymore. I don't have to listen to you. I'm free from you. You know, go for me in Jesus' name. I'm not listening. You know, I don't have to obey you anymore. Get out of here. Now, I'm very aware that in our natural lives, we are not sinless. We are not perfect. We all miss it from time to time. But we should have a desire to be sinless. We should be striving to be sinless. You know, the, the example I always use is when I walk out of my house, in the middle of winter, and there's snow on, on, on my sidewalk. My intention is not to, is not to slip. I, 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 I'm going to walk down the sidewalk. I'm not going to slip. But every once in a while, I do slip. Now, it's an accident when I do. I don't intend to, but I know that from time to time I might slip. But my intention is to not slip. It's to never slip. You know, and maybe that's not the best example, but in the same way you might say like an, an, an athletic team. 
Every athletic team uh, starts the game with the intention to win. Now, they, they know they're not going to win every game probably, but their intention is they, they play that way. You know, every race car driver, every, every, every athlete, I mean, they always begin a race to, with the intention of winning. Now, they know they're not going to win all the time, but that, you know, it's, a, it's an attitude that says, I'm, I'm going to do my best. Every day when I wake up, we, I say, you know what? I'm going to spend this day. I'm going to live this day for God. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to slip. I'm not going to give myself an excuse to sin. And if sin comes my way now, do I do it all the time? No, don't ask my wife. She'll tell you. But, uh, but my attitude is I don't have to. And that's why, you know, and again, People can disagree with me, but that's why I, I don't feel that uh, Romans chapter 7, Paul is talking about this, this dual nature that's in us. Because I, to me, it's just totally counterproductive for Paul to, to say what he said in, in Romans chapter 6 and to turn around in Romans chapter 7 and say, but I can't help it, I just sin all over the place. You know, it's no. Uh, God says the power of sin is broken, and, uh, and we don't have to live that way anymore. And we towards me to first John. Hallelujah. Look what it says in first John. Chapter three and verse four. Everyone who practices sin, I was talking to Christians. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared, Jesus, in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins or practice. What it means there is no one who abides in him continually practices sin, and no one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin. See, because, because there's a new spirit within us. It's like if you're truly a Christian, you, you can't just continually, uh, without, any re, without any remorse or any conviction, practice, be continually practicing sin. Just, just, I'm just going to live any way I want, and God still loves me. Well, he always has loved you. He loved you before you were born again. He'll always love you after. But you can't, if we're truly Christians, we can't continue to live in sin without without conviction because it's just contrary to our nature no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in them and he cannot sin he cannot continue practicing sin because he is born of God by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who doesn't Love his brother. Now, I don't want you to come under condemnation. So, uh, gosh, I've got this issue in my life that I'm struggling with. If as long as you're fighting it, that's different. Fighting it is different than just accepting it. Saying, "Well, uh, that's just the way it is. I just feel like sleeping with anybody I want to, so I'm gonna." You know, no, you can't do that if you're a Christian. You, you got to live for God. We're gonna live. We're gonna live right. We're gonna be the people that God's called us to be. Hallelujah. In First Corinthians, the Apostle Paul addresses addresses that 
issue, you might say. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll tell you, this is strong stuff. You know, I have to, you know, I'm not just preaching to you. This is me. I got to live this just as much as anybody. You know, and it's not easy. I have my weaknesses just like everybody else. And, I, and t- from time to time, I miss it. I don't want to. I never want to. I don't want to be displeasing to God. But I'm like you. I'm a human being. But I don't give myself an excuse. You know, the, the Bible gives me no excuse to sin, and I'm not giving myself any excuse to sin. And when I miss it, I, I, re- I repent, and I, pr- and I ask God to forgive me, and he does. And I c- continue to go on with him. But listen to what the Apostle Paul says. No temptation has overcome you, but such as is common to man. So, you know, you can't really say, well, you don't understand. I've got this point. No, everyone's had problems. God, God understands that the sin, the sin has been broken. And, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. That's a powerful scripture. In other words, when you're a baby Christian and you don't have much of the Spirit of God yet, you're just kind of growing in God, God will protect you for some things. But after a while, when we get stronger, God may allow some things to come into our life because now we're strong enough to say no. But God will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able. So I can't say, well, I couldn't help it. Yeah, I could help it. God always gives me a way out. I just don't always take it. I want to. I try to. But listen, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. God always gives us a way of escape. You know, when I feel like something, when I get frustrated and I feel like giving someone a piece of my mind, I don't have to. I can just say, no, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. You know, I'll pray for that person in front of me. I'm sure it's just a nice little old lady driving 20 miles an hour under the speed limit. So I'm just blessing her, Lord. Keep her safe in her life. Hallelujah. I know I want to. I just don't want to run her off the road. I know that. But I'm not going to. I'm just going to bless her. Hallelujah. So you know what? When we're tempted, we don't have to sin. And uh, my wife, my wife, my wife's laughing right now because she knows she listens to my grumblings in the car all the time because no one is as good a driver as I am. And I don't know if you know that or not, but now you all know that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. One more scripture. Jude. I know the guys out there think they're the good drivers, but Jude 24. Love this scripture. Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling. Isn't that a wonderful God? Thank you, Jesus. Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling, from stumbling, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy. The Holy Spirit is able to do that. He's able to cause me to stand in his presence, blameless, with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that the Spirit of God. So we don't do it in our own strength. We don't serve God in our own strength. We don't resist sin in our own strength. We do it because the Spirit of God is in us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy One is in us, the Holy Spirit, and he allows and he causes us, he enables us to be the people, the holy people that God's called us to be. Jesus is coming back, the Bible says, for a church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a church that's holy and blameless. I want to be that church. I want us to be that church. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see God move in, our, in, in this church. And I believe you do, after, you do also. So you know what? Let's go after it. 
Let's pursue holiness, and without which no man will see the Lord. I love you. God bless you. Uh, we'll see you on Wednesday, and let's pray. Father, we give ourselves to you, spirit, soul, and body. Help us, Lord, to be holy, to be the holy people you've called us to be. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.